0: So what's up? Oh my God, are you ready to dunk on Mika for an hour? Mm, This is this is the this is the cold open. We don't talk about the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. What's been up? (laughs) I'm already mad, though. I'm good. (laughs) I'm. We can we we will don't don't worry. There will be fifty-seven plentiful minutes with which to be mad about this movie. (laughs) Okay, I'm decent. I'm also moving my microwave because I see an audacity that I am topping it out. How are you? I'm doing okay. Long day at work, kind of tiring. Um, I bought like a comically large coffee mug a couple weeks ago. Well, I yeah. bought it like I bought it like back in June, but it only got here a week, a couple weeks ago. Um, it's thirty ounces. Whoa, what, Sarah? It's a lot. I, and sometimes, I, sometimes I'm a big girl and I need a big coffee. And I'm not a stranger to drinking that much coffee in a day. I've some like I used to have a twenty ounce mug and I would sometimes fill that up twice in a day. And oh my god. I, I've made mistakes. Yeah. I will continue to make mistakes. Disappointed um, but not surprised. But, but it turns out that drinking a 20-ounce cup of coffee at 8.30 and then again at 10.30 is very different from chugging a 30-ounce <laughs> cup of coffee oh no, at Sarah. 8.30 a.m. <laughs> Goodbye as you fade into the spirit realm. Yeah, just just like I fucking vibrate through the floor. <laughs> I clip, and I finish my... I, 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 I noclip and that's a shortcut to emptying my inbox. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, then I need to do that because I would also like an empty inbox again someday. Yeah, someday. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I mean, it's been like a month and a half since I last recorded an episode. What's happened since then? Uh, my car broke. Oh. So I've been hoofing it and I, I, I like bussing and taking the and riding my bike everywhere. Um, this week in particular, my parents are uh, in Alaska, and so my mom lent me her car, which I appreciated very much. But after this, I can't get too used to it because next week I'm back on my. Back on my hoofing it bullshit again. Oh, that's awful. I'm sorry. Car problems are eh. the worst. They are. It's just, yeah, it broken away. That's not really affordable to fix this yeah. time. But that's been me. Um, what else? I got really lucky with our last car because as it started to reach, like, shit bucket status, I got rear-ended mm-hmm. on a Toronto highway and insurance. Uh. And insurance had to just pay us out for the car, so. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, uh... I don't have that. Uh, if I, uh, if I, if my car is currently parked in my driveway and I, ha- it hasn't been driven for like a month. Um, if the tree that sits above it were to fall on it, I would have to pay out a thousand dollars, which oh. I'm really looking forward to. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Oh, insurance rules. Oh, trees. <laughs> yeah, we had a tree fall on the car that eventually became the one that got rear-ended at some point, and but at that time insurance decided the car could be salvaged and so just had us wait like a month and a half as someone slowly pieced our car back together yeah yep (laughs) Oh god! I just remember this, the funniest crash story I've ever I've ever heard in my life, which is that um, every every party involved in this was fine and no one was severely financially hampered as a result okay, of this. Good. Just to be clear, yes, I'd like to I'd like to add that disclaimer upfront. Um, my friend Ian, uh, who is a longtime friend of mine, I've been like best friends with the guy since we were like twelve years old. Um, he says he uh, moved to Kentucky a couple years ago uh, to pursue a teaching job, um, and he sends me a text like a week after he gets there and it's just like a picture of his car like completely fucked up in the back half like just it, it is unsalvageable mm-hmm. and i and i text him I'm like what the fuck happened then it's gonna be a bigger picture which shows the offending car and it is a it is a tow truck belonging to a local body shop oh no <laughs> the guy had it had been the guy's first day on the job he'd been in a rush and he had accidentally created a new customer yeah exactly they're just drumming up business this is just <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> this is capitalism at its late end yeah yeah But I thought that I just, I, I think about that picture a lot. I should probably dredge that out of my phone. I know I have it somewhere. Anyways, you want to get into the episode proper? Yes, let's do it. everyone, it's your number one um, backdoor foot fetish movie, <laughs> podcast. Oh, uh, I'm Sarah. Uh, back at, back at, back to after a year and a half, and nope, not a year and a half, month and a half. Haven't been gone quite that long. Um, and joining me today is Blue. Hi, I'm Blue. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank uh, you, Blue. What we have first-time guests do is just tell us a little bit about themselves and what their relationship is with horror movies. Uh, my name is Blue, my pronouns are she, her. I am um, a bunch of things. I'm a statistician, author, game designer, um, and just kind of general nerd. Um, my relationship with horror is, is a fraught one in that I, I enjoy horror, the concept of horror a lot, but I am also extremely squeamish, uh, especially about person-on-person, person, like human-on-human human violence. So mm-hmm. I really like tension. I do not like gore or like any sort of violence that would occur in the real world. So, gotcha, shit about okay. serial killers or rapists or something, I can't. I can't. If it's like, if it's like a humanoid, is that still like, if it's like, a, if it's like a Freddy, a Jason? Uh, uh, well, Freddy's probably a bad example. Freddy's like a, like a super Jason, bad example from the pedophilia. Like a, um, yeah, like a Jason, a uh, a pinhead, a uh, uh, Michael Myers. I I like. Well, Michael Myers is also. Kind of just a person, uh, like yeah, I mean, yeah, an immortal like Jamie Curtis proof person. But wait, not enti- not entirely. She does she does cut his head off once. That's yes. See, I know a lot about Halloween because here's the thing: I don't like watching gore, but I get morbidly curious. So whenever a new so hor- you read the Wikipedia page? Yes, exactly. Whenever yep, a new horror movie all the time. comes out, I'm just like, oh, I'll well, really enjoy reading the Wikipedia entry for that. Also, people who write Wikipedia entries for movies are like. Beat by beat plot summaries, by Wikipedia standards, is fucking ridiculous. Like, there's yeah. there's no reason that I need to know the seventeen characters to get killed off. But thank you, also, because back I... in the um. Back, like, a decade ago, I remember I would, like, like stay up late reading Wikipedia articles on my PSP, because I didn't have a smartphone, I didn't have any other way to access the internet from my bedroom, and I would just, like, read the articles for Final Destination, like, the Final Destination movies, and they would have, like, these extremely intricate descriptions of how the characters died, (laughs) and I would, like, not be able to sleep. Yeah, I, well, Final Destination and the Saw movies are both of them, like, they're both, like, Saw especially is just, like, such a fucked up franchise, um, yep. And there's no, like, there's no way I would ever want to watch them. But every now mm-hmm. and then I'm like, I saw a trailer of this one where this person had, like, a bear trap attached to their nostrils. And I kind of wonder what's going on with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's going, what's going on here? You know? Let me just dip in real quick. It's like, wait, really? He tied his intestines to a, you know, to to a pencil sharpener? Like, what's going on with that? That is just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Saw movies. Uh. Yeah. So I, like, like, I... Blair Witch. Like, Blair Witch is kind of, like, my ideal horror. I loved the Blair Witch Project so much, the original. Two questions. If, if you don't want to answer this first one, yep. that's fine. Totes. But um, how old were you when the Blair Witch came out? I was, I was a tween. A tween or a teen. Teen, okay. I guess. I think it was 96, so I think I was 13. Okay. Um, and also... Did you think it was real? Because I talked to my mother. I talked to my mo- my mother about that movie sometimes, and she always brings up the fact that she thought it was real for like a month after she saw it. No, I didn't know. I, no, I knew it was real. Um, I like, you was you aware it, it was a marketing campaign. Um, okay. But like, I still loved that mystique of it. It was almost like an ARG in that way. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, the but, whole the website and everything the, like that movie. The website, the website was is rad such as an hell. integral part of that movie. Yeah, the, the website is such an integral part of that movie. Even though it adds, like, some weird details, like the fact that Heather actually, like, tried summoning the Blair Witch before they came. Like, mm-hmm. if you go through her diary, like, that's part of the reason that she's apologizing, supposedly, is that she mm-hmm. was like, I'm Wiccan, I want to commune with this powerful feminine power figure. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I loved all that shit. The fake funerals they had for the kids and everything. The fact oh that the soundtrack God, yeah. for the movie was just the mixtape they found in Josh's car, and that yep. sort of shit—like, I love that that level of—I think kayfabe is what they call it in the wrestling world. Yeah, that is that is basically what. It, and then there was kayfabe to this movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. S- sorry to sorry to sorry to uh, stop doing stop my perfect transition, but we actually I actually have to talk about UpcomingHorrorMovies.com. dot <laughs> Okay to give us a bit to give us a little bit of a rundown of what we have coming up and i'm not seeing too much on here except for a a movie called killer sofa and b uh, and b um, doctor sleep is due out soon and i'm kind of excited to see that i watched the shining for the first time ever earlier this year and i'm i'm pretty excited to see doctor sleep excellent i am i am just surprised like i keep trying to like anything that is related to stephen king and every time it never works. Did you like It Chapter 1? I never saw it. I, I, like, I was considering giving it a shot because I actually, I'm finding that a genre of horror and just thriller in general that I'm enjoying is fucked up people happens, fucked up stuff happens to people and their kids, and then we jump forward in time and see how it's messed them up as adults. Ah, that is what my friend and former guest of this podcast, Caridron, refers to as generational trauma, inherited trauma. Yes. Like, I ate the hell out of Haunting of Hill House. Um, mm-hmm. yep. It's so good. And even though I have a lot of problems with the Umbrella Academy, like, I still liked that aspect of it as well. Um, not mm-hmm. That's not horror. That's comic book sex, yeah. sexism bullshit. But, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> feelings. But, like, I like that aspect. So I, I was tempted by it when I saw It Chapter 2 come trailers and i was like oh but then i found out that there's a lot of fucked up stuff in those movies that would not sit well with me like i think the i think the first one i it's been a while but i feel like the first one is lacking some of that it does get extremely gory though so that's it that's the that is the other axis you got to worry about i'm good thanks Um, (laughs) fucking we watched paranormal activity we did we did one the first one i um and this is this is technically our Technically, our second episode about the Paranormal Activity franchise, we did do an episode about the marked ones, but that was also the episode that Blair's computer exploded uh, <gasps> in the midst of editing, and we lost everything. Oh, no. Well, we can, definitely, uh, we can definitely talk the marked ones, because as people who follow me on Twitter know, I have watched all six in the last three weeks to prepare for this. All six of the American I, I, canon. I did not watch Tokyo Nights. But. I want to. I want to. I want to stick to mainly Par- Paranormal Activity One, but also I do just want to take a brief aside at the start to say the Marked Ones fucks, and I like it a lot. And based on what I've been told about the rest of the franchise, it is the only thing worth. It is the only thing in that franchise that is with any merit post Paranormal Activity Two. Yes, that's that is that is my personal feeling. I know people who like Three, and I think Three does some interesting little things here and there, but. It's a prequel, which already is a mark against it. It's so hard to make a good prequel that doesn't mess up everything. And mm-hmm. PA3 messes up everything. Um, so, But PA1 by itself, if we just consider it by itself and not step into the garbage that is the time travel and witch army that is later in the series... Um, Wait, what, what, are the, what are the later entries, by the way? After they stop, after they drop the numbers, it was it was marked ones, Ghost Dimension, that's it. and what was the third one? It's that's oh, it. They, it's, it was four. There was it was Paranormal Activity four. Yeah, it's one, two, three, four. Marked one. Oh, I didn't realize four was a number. Marked ones, and then uh, Ghost Dimension. There's a Japanese sequel, uh, Paranormal Activity two, Tokyo Nights, but it's non canonical because a major player in the series dies in that one. So. <laughs> Is there, is there another one on the way, or are they taking a break for now? Is what? Is another one on the way, or are they taking or are they taking a break? So while I was doing my research for my my six episode screaming about these on Twitter thing, yeah, they've announced number seven is in production as of the summer. So fucking awesome. Yeah, because like, and here's the thing: the series has gotten terrible. One and two were legitimately amazing horror movies. The se- that, and then they just ran into the sequel problem where they kept trying to escalate it. And mm-hmm. by escalate it I mean they every time they didn't know what to do, they said add more witches. Um and so like I, I feel for them, but it's become like a ridiculous laughing stock and I will still absolutely see PA seven in theaters. <laughs> so I, I have a i i I have a question. Um you said that Paranormal Activity 3 you don't like because it's a prequel, but is Paranormal Activity 2 not a prequel also? Okay, so PA2 is a prequel, absolutely. Um, and, but it's like, it's a close enough sequel, like it's close enough in timing and, that I think that it gets away with it. There's definitely some like, whoa, that's not how the canon went that goes on in PA2, but it's small enough that if you don't watch them back to back, you probably won't notice mm-hmm. um, if you watch them like a year apart as as they showed up. Or a couple yeah. of years apart, um, then you don't notice the couple of weird little things where it's like, "Wait, that doesn't match what I thought happened." Um, but like, it yeah, it it gets away with it mostly by the fact that the the canon established in PA one is extremely vague, and so PA two has a lot more to build on. PA three yeah. goes back to when they're kids and just like. Just fucks up everything. They name the demon Toby. They name the demon Toby Okay. Okay. I, sure. I think what they're going for is an Exorcist vibe where the ghost in the well, Exorcist. I, I was getting more of I was getting more of a Naruto vibe, but okay. <laughs> well, like uh in The Exorcist, she <laughs> talks to the demon on the Ouija board and, and introduces itself as Captain Howdy. And like it's oh, yeah, about it's creepy as fuck because it's a tiny child talking to what you know as a malevolent entity has it's given itself this ridiculously like Kermit the Frog happy name, right? And right. but but when it's Toby, I just think like I imagine the demon in like tennis shorts like on its way to prep school like oh i'm tobias the demon and my father will hear about this hey we will we will not slander the good name of tobias <laughs> in this house it's this is this is an animorse household <laughs> oh I forgot about tobias <laughs> how could you forget about tobias i've never actually read the books i only know tobias by osmosis yeah the, um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for, like, the franchise right now, and, um, I didn't realize how close to each other all of them, except for Paranormal Activity 1, came out. Oh, yeah, they, they fucking churned these out. Like, just, so, we, we, PA 1 was 2007, and then 2 was 2010, then 2011, then 2012, then a gap year, nothing in 2013, and then the marked one was 2014, and then the ghost dimension in 2015. Okay, God. Which is, ghost I, 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 I say ghost dimension with that affect because it's the funniest fucking name for a movie I, for it's the funniest fucking thing have have you watched it i've only seen one i've only seen this one and the dark and the marked one it's so bad time travel features quite prominently in it and at one point a guy on screen gets a ghost arm shoved through his chest like an alien xenomorph now you say this is a bad movie but to me that sounds pretty good oh honey Oh honey, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it off mic later, cause it's, cause spoilers for everything. But God, it's not. It's really not. Um, um paranormal activity is like one of the two like franchises to in terms of horror to emerge from the two thousands, right? Like it's between it's that and Saw, cause Final Destination one was ninety nine. Um, and I don't think the next, like, big horror franchise was until, like, Insidious, which I believe was 2011? I'm gonna double-check that, but Yeah, not that one came out until, like, I, either I was just about to hit college or until I was in college. I, yeah, I, I forget what the Insidiouses were, but they were after Saw, because I remember they marketed them as being, like... From the producers yeah, of Saw, so uh, yeah, Insidious was 2011. Um, I, I I can't think of like any other major horror. I, I'm sure I'm forgetting something for major horror movie franchises, but like, hold on. And Insidious horror movie franchises. Insidious is cheesy and terrible, and also I o- definitely almost like broke my partner's arm off when they did the jump scare with the like Darth Maul looking guy from behind someone. I I am so susceptible to jump scares. <laughs> Uh, oh, I misspoke. By the way, uh, Final Destination One was actually in the two thousands. So really, because that feels like such a fucking nineties movie. <laughs> Don't you? Are you about to besmirch those move that mo- those movies in my house? I've only seen uh, one. They're just like. Wait, you've only you've only seen one of them, or you only seen Final Destination One? Both, <laughs> both, okay. both of those things, and they're just not my bag. They're like, the the torture porn they're like torture porny and like i do have a they more... don't quite they, they don't quite hit torture porn for me because i mean I, I i understand i understand where you are in that i personally don't like torture porn like i don't like hostile oh yeah, um, yeah uh but they don't hit torture porn for me because the characters are never really like they're very rarely in agony it's just like a lot of build-up and then someone's spine gets snapped <laughs>
1: Oh the, man. Only, the, the teacher, the, the, the
0: teacher from FD1 was in agony for FD1, a bit. FD, FD1 is the exception to that because I feel like a lot of the characters, because like you got the first kid who dies by like choking out the Oh my God, thing. yeah, I forgot that. That's terrible. Yep, you got the teacher, you get like, I, I'm tr- I don't really remember any of the other ones, but like. There's the guy who gets his head um, chopped by the tr- by this shrapnel from the train, which for some reason great. is ingrained in my memory. It has uh, the bus. Who is that, Sean William Scott? I, I don't know, any, but this, I saw this shit in high school. I literally have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it in a high school class, which is kind of fucked, actually. But yeah, Do anyway, yeah. You want to get into the plot of this movie, threadbare though it may be. Oh, um, it's it's the perfect it's the perfect like setup for a plot that that just like Blair, which is like three kids go into the woods and shit happens, and that's basically all it is. This is Katie. Uh, I remember the actress's last name. Um, I don't remember that Katie is dating a complete piece of shit named Mika who we will come back to and they've moved in together because Katie has really bad taste in men um, and really bad taste in men and also a shitload of money because oh my god like I don't know how old they were supposed to be in this but like can you imagine being able to afford a place like this like in California yeah, and, like, even even pooling it with, like, however, even pooling it with partners, like, I cannot imagine, like, I, I can barely afford rent. Oh, it's okay, Sarah. Mika's a day trader. Oh, okay. <laughs> when when that came up on my rewatch, I hadn't really, like, paid attention to that before. I was like, of oh, course he is. If this movie had taken place, like, eight years later, he would be extolling Bitcoin to everybody hundred percent hundred percent um so anyway they move in together she confesses to Mika that she has been haunted by a spirit her entire life she was assigned haunted at birth and uh, uh, that oh oh is that what is that what the start of uh, Moby Dick is supposed to be Ahab. <laughs> yeah that's what <laughs> a ha- assigned haunted parentheses by whale parentheses at birth <laughs> so she was assigned haunted at birth um, a, uh-huh. a creepy spirit used to stand at the edge of her bed when she was a kid and it freaked her out and her house burnt down, which is the biggest, like, I'm not going to talk too much about the sequels, but PA3 is a prequel that takes place around the time when the house burnt down and they don't fucking show the house burning down in that movie. And it's the most, like, non-climax ever <laughs> to have built that up for two movies and they're like, yeah, they don't need to see the house burn down. I mean, to be fair, burning a house down is probably too expensive for their shoestring budget because, I mean, what? How much money could they have had to do that movie? Because they had 15,000. Oh, they had $5 million. Okay. Yeah, no, the sequels, they keep pumping money into the sequels. I mean, Marked ones had a bunch of special effects in it, um, like non-practical special effects. And Ghost Dimension literally has a camera that can see ghosts, so. Um, Wasn't that, like, the... Point of the original that you couldn't see the ghosts. Yeah, but like I feel like that was the point. Whatever. But in the Whatever. ghost dimension, the witches have made a special camera to scare them. It's yes. Um... <laughs> oh, <I'll... laughs> I feel like you just turned a fire hose on and just like pull it, like pumped word salad into my face for this... two seconds there. <laughs> This is what I love about the sequels, is I can just drop this absolutely bullshit stuff into it, and it's like I just trivial. did like I I just did, like, a triple take. Like, I I couldn't process that. No, um, yeah, the demon hides inside a real estate agent to sell them a haunted house, and then the witches give them a ghost camera. I'm not lying about any of this. All right. Um, so... So, paranormal activity one. So, bullshit aside, yeah, that... So, Katie Katie tells Mika the garbage man, um, but not an actual garbage man, who are American heroes. Um, yeah. Um... They're drinking, they're drinking, did you see what they were drinking by any chance? No, what were they drinking? They're drinking, one of my personal favorites, that classic $8 a bottle, yellow tail red. Nice. Um, and because like, oh, I know how to solve this problem. I will buy a camera to prove that my girlfriend is either crazy or telling the truth. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you, So great, great show, great display of faith in the in the woman you just moved into a house with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a recurring thing in the paranormal activity series is that every married couple must adhere to the two genders, which are Mulder and Scully, um, mm-hmm. where one person absolutely believes in demons right away. And the other person does not believe them until the demon is choking them, basically. Um, so Mika can, films everything and tries to trick Katie into having sex on camera, even when she has not consented repeatedly to that. And, Zooms he in, also yeah. zooms he says, in on her feet uh, and tells her how sexy her feet are. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Mika's, Mika's, damn, she, damn, she haunted and she got feet. <laughs> Just like my notes for the first one, like on my, this is my, this was my third rewatch, I think, third or fourth, mm-hmm. and my notes that I made on my phone were basically Mika's a day trader because, of course, he is. Mika has a foot fetish, and that's about it. <laughs> I think I think Mika is like I think Mika is a really good character. Like I hate oh. this guy, but I think he's a really good character because he is like archetypal of like the worst partner that I have had who's like you kind of th- I mean I've not really well not not from personal experience, but I feel like in terms of like media tropes and stuff like yeah, he's he's a great yes. like a, it's a hard balance in horror movies cuz you don't want the people to be completely unlikable. But you would like them to be, like, you would like to feel a little bit not too sad when they die. Yeah. And, and like, Katie is pretty, like, I'm I'm over here sipping my respecting Katie juice. Like, she's got terrible taste in men. But I know sometimes, like, the relationship starts good and then they turn terrible and you don't notice. Yeah, and listen, sometimes compulsory heterosexuality makes a fool of us all. Oh, okay. So, side note, um, there's an amazing... Professor at a at a Texas University, uh, Whitney Cox, who were mutuals on Twitter, and she sent me the paper that she wrote and presented that talks about how the real an- antagonist of Paranormal Activity One is heterosexual gender roles. It is. It is. She's uh, the paper's thesis is that it's if it if it were more self aware about how shitty its gendering was, it would be the best horror movie about gender ever made. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I I think that this is like. Uh, I, sorry I was saying and then uh, I got an arc, but I, I think Mika is like a really good character I think he is just like they, he's like he fe- it kind of feels like he's trying, but you can definitely tell that he is not putting. And it just feels like a very slow realization that you have over the course of the movie. That like every single time he opens his mouth, he just gets like. There's never like a moment where he like sheer drops off for me, but it's just like a sl- a very slow, well not that slow, a slow descent into I hate this person. Yeah, I think I think there it's not a sheer drop off because he's sliding down the slope for like 45 minutes beforehand. But when mm-hmm. the psychic comes over, says shit's a demon, yo. Don't get a Ouija board. That's a terrible idea. And Katie's like, I absolutely forbid you to get a Ouija board. And he's like, but I got a Ouija board. Um, like that is the point at well, which he, it was he, like he waited. He waited thirty minutes, and he waited in the movie. He waited thirty minutes, and in real t- in 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 universe, he waited about two weeks. So it's completely fine, actually. He, he it's fine. <laughs> it's super not fine. It's like the day after he promises Katie that he won't buy a Ouija board, and he's like, "But I borrowed it," which is the most like five year old logic. Um, yeah. it yes, indeed. Everything about Mika is terrible. He's like. There's lots of great masculinity in the world, and this is not masculinity dunking, but he is the epitome of everything wrong with toxic masculinity, where he, like, won't listen to anybody, is always sure he knows how to solve the problem, even when he has no expertise, and thinks that the way to solve most of his problems is by yelling at it and antagonizing it until it goes away. Um So, yep. so Mika spends the entire movie actively doing the shit that ghost hunters on those reality tv shows do where they try to make the spirits angry he does all of it but he's not but he's not a trained professional like zach bagans no no and and it's so funny because the psychic comes over and he dismisses everything the psychic has to say like the psychic says it's a demon whatever and then like two minutes later in movie he's reading a book on demonology he's like i've been doing some research and i think it's a demon and he's just that dude at work who repeats everything you say and gets all the credit um <laughs> <laughs> he's terrible um he is just the worst and he's like completely dismissive of the the demon and like even if like you don't put an inch of faith in this stuff whatsoever like cut your your girl your girlfriend at, at the at the very worst your girlfriend is experiencing some severe night terrors and has for her entire life and she has not been like properly cared for for them right. support your girlfriend don't like at the like, if you're going to say no to this doctor at least say like what about a what about a sleep psychologist or something but, right. like also just let her pick her own fucking doctors dude right and it's just it like you know When the psychic comes over, which is super early in the movie and is the main info dump of the movie where where the psychic is like, oh, this isn't a ghost because ghosts haunt locations. You have a demon which haunt people and we don't know what demons want and they're just going to keep doing what they do until you're dead, basically. Um, And you should call this demonologist right away. And Mika, for the next hour of the movie, which is like three weeks in, in media... Goes, oh, don't call the demonologist, babe. He can't help. I'm gonna solve this by pouring talcum powder on the floor so we can get footprints. I love Katie's response when he tried that, and he's like, and she's like, I mean, we, we pretty much have evidence that this is happening. Yeah. But I, okay, babe. I I guess so. The door slammed shut, and something banged on it from the inside. Like, I'm pretty sure we know it's a ghost or a demon. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's but he he does all this like Tim Allen home improvement shit to try to catch the ghost in various ways, demon. Oh my god, no! It's 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 not it's not it's not Tim the Toolman Taylor. It's fucking uh, uh, it's Kevin from Home Alone. Oh my god, it is Kevin from Home Alone. You're absolutely right. <laughs> um. Uh, fucking, when, the first night that they set up the camera in their bedroom, uh, which is directly after Mika tries to film them having sex with, despite, uh, uh, Katie's frequent, uh, Repeated uh opposition knows. to that. Yeah, and yeah. lies. Like, he says, oh, the camera's not on. He, yeah, he straight up lies to her and is like, yeah. oh no, it's on standby mode. And then she's like, no, that's recording. Like, if, I, Katie is a little bit. I, I I consider myself a very forgiving person, but if someone tried, to, if someone did that to me, I would be like, okay, no, we're I'm going bye. Oh no no no, that, yeah, that's that's attempted sexual assault to me. I, I'm yep. done. Yeah, and then he also and then he also turns the camera on like immediately afterwards to brag that they had what I assume is anal sex because he's like that was illegal in Kentucky and thirteen other states. I'm like, so you stuck it in her ass? Like I don't. I don't know what like you two clearly are too vanilla to do much else. Or it's her feet. It could be her feet, I guess. Yeah, no, it, it definitely could be it definitely could be her feet, but I don't think Kentucky has laws outlawing feet fetishism. Yeah. I don't know that feet <laughs> fetishism is illegal though. Wait, maybe he got the strap. I Given, no he wouldn't given, given the amount of toxic masculinity that Mika exudes from every Mika would port. never take the strap no if, if her finger if her finger goes an inch past like the median on his tank like <laughs> the, half- the halfway point between his dick and balls and his butthole like he immediately has to call his therapist oh yeah no absolutely He he has to go <laughs> watch football until he feels better um, yeah. God, yeah. Oh, my God. So, but, he, but the reason I bring he sets up the camera, and he is wearing a shirt that says CoinNet on it, which completely, yeah. like, absolutely cements the bit—the fact that this is a precursor to a Bitcoin. It is. It is. Also, Katie sleeps in a push-up bra every night, which, Katie, please love yourself. I have a question about the sleeping, actually. Yeah. How was that done in this movie? Do you know? I have no idea. I I, because I maybe it, it could just be that like a, they they were like filmed for maybe like ten minutes and then sped up and then it was like placed over like uh whatever time I I assume thing. I assume that's how it was I assume they didn't make them lie in bed and roll around for several hours um, I mean they could have just had them they could have just had them sleep they could have I guess it was interesting so uh, I think that there's a lot of parallels to the Blair Witch Project in this and that obviously this was not done. With quite as much actor endangerment as I think the Blair Witch Project was, um, but it it the script is is like moderately improvised. They they you know they screened for actors that had good chemistry and then gave them kind of a rough guideline of what what happens day by day, but but kind of let them do their own thing, which I think is part of why the movie resorts so much to heterosexual gender stereotypes is because those if you're trying to do an improv thing stereotypes are really easy to fall back on um yeah and so i think it's really easy to to fall back on these stereotypes of what is essentially the nagging wife and the husband who doesn't listen to her except they're not married yet bless katie's heart um and you know it's about ghosts but but i think that's I, I, like I love this movie, and so when I'm de- when I'm dunking on the gender rules, I think that it's not necessarily like I wouldn't say it. It's partly the movie's fault in that like it does suck, but also I think it's just indicative of the world <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think I think everyone is supposed to hate Mika, so like I'll allow yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, uh, he kind of does just he kind of does just blow chunks. Oh God, he's so bad. Um. um but yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, I, one of the things I love about this movie is that later PA movies try to do the day-night cycle and don't do it as well. PA 1 sets up this day-night cycle where it's like nighttime is when the spooky stuff happens. Daytime is when we learn more about them as a couple, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's like daytime is pure characterization and nighttime is when the scares happen and then you know t- 15 minutes from the end of the movie something shitty happens during the daytime and it is the scariest fucking thing just because your your preconceived notions of when you as a viewer are safe to relax get shattered yeah uh, i think i i think do i think making things be scary in the daytime takes a severe like mastercraft yeah. like i think you have to work your fucking ass off to make something scary and, and i think that like i think that like a conditioning because we are like a, i feel like just like predisposed things are scarier that night at night mm-hmm. and i think uh i if like if you don't have the time and budget to do that kind of thing because like i feel like like I, I i feel like it's really hard to do but i feel like a a shortcut not to like shit on pell Pel, is it pell or pelly the guy who directed it uh or in pelly, pelly. Pelly. Yeah. Um, not to shit on Pelly or anything, but I think there's like a, 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 a shortcut way to do that is kind of just to have explicitly only scary things happen at night. And then the scary thing happen at day. And it just breaks you out. of It breaks you out of the rhythm. And, you know, I, I, am thinking about like midsummer a lot lately, which I think is a very scary movie that takes place entire, pretty much entirely during the day. Um, but that movie had a lot more money and this one had $15,000 which made it about 600,000% profitable. Yeah, it it's, its final the, budget. the the profit on this movie is ridiculous. So I can see why they keep churning them out even though like The Ghost Dimension was a fucking failure financially, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Um but uh, no, actually Ghost Dimension cost 10 million to make and made about 80 ma- made 18? 80. Oh, 80. Holy shit. Um, yep. That's one of the few ones I didn't see in the theater, so I didn't. That wasn't me helping, Um, but yeah, yeah. That's the, it's it's the lowest grossing one, but like, but still, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, um, but yeah, uh, so PA one is extremely low budget, and they do such I think an excellent job of priming you for the night times. I remember we saw this in the theater either not necessarily opening night, but like the first couple of weeks. Uh, when the theater was still crowded and like the audience collectively held its breath whenever the night number, whatever header popped Mm -hmm. up. Like my partner and I would clench each other's hands during all of the nighttime sequences. And then we would breathe a sigh of relief when it switched to daytime. Um, And they start so small with the nighttime segments that you, as a viewer, get used to scanning the screen constantly for any tiny change, which makes Mm -hmm. the big, changes later seem much bigger. Yeah, Be- yeah. I I really wish I could have seen this movie in a theater. Oh god, I it was a fucking experience. So I like I am a scaredy cat. Like I'm not I'm not afraid to admit that I get easily scared for sure. But also <laughs> like when I saw this movie it reinvigorated my fear of the dark for something like 6 months. Like I still Ooh. like would would not turn out my turn out the lights to a room with my back turned to the room. I would always watch the room when I turned out the lights and then scamper away. Um, yeah. And again, that's partly me being a coward, but also just like it does such a good job of making the home a scary place to be. I mean, it's essentially a one at, a one set play that only takes place in the house, and um, it. I think part of what makes it so scary is that the there. There is no motivation really for the demon. The demon is just evil, and it just wants to make them miserable and then kill them, and that's it. And yeah. there's no appeasing it. There's no like, you know, oh she she had a hard childhood and then got shoved in a well and took seven days to die, like reason for it. It's just I, for some reason when you said that I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna say like she got shoved in a well and took nearly lethal fall damage. <laughs> I mean that's also true of Sadako, really. Um, but yeah. <laughs> not quite lethal fall. <laughs> she was in that well for a oh, bit. Like, like, like she she like fell down the well and like she was like, <gasps> and then like her like vision got like all red around the fr- around the rim and like it was like pulsing a little bit. Yeah, I mean uh, in the American version, she canonically took seven days to die down there. So um... yeah, that's a good movie. I should watch that one again. I. Guess. I, I the american version was weird I, I like i'm not i'm not a purist about remakes really but i felt like in the japanese version the videotape made sense in that it was a bunch of clues to lead them to the right place whereas in the american version it felt like the videotape was mostly just like here's some jump scares we're going to do later and that's mm-hmm. kind of it um but it's been a long time since i've seen either to be fair um yeah but yeah, but like, I think, I think the, I think the original, I think the, I think the American one is fun because a horse commits suicide. Yeah. That's fucking weird. That's what I mean. It is it's... a horse just fucking, a horse just decides to fucking murk itself for the sake of it being scary. Yep. But... Yeah. So that's fun. Uh, it's, it is. I think it's, it's a weird scene, but it makes me laugh like an idiot every single time it happens because, uh, who is it? Is it Nicole Kidman? No, it's not Nicole Kidman. Who's the fuck's in that movie? No, Nicole Kidman was the others. Yes, that that was who it. That was the others. Yes. Uh, I was gonna it was... say it wasn't Nicole Kidman. It's someone Kidman Kidman esque. though. Naomi Watts. Naomi okay. Watts. But yeah. So so there's like it's hard to talk about PA one because because basically it it is like daytime. Katie gets a, in, increasingly sad, and Mika gets increasingly belligerent. Nighttime, mm-hmm. increasingly spooky things happen, and then all of a sudden, like at you know. And this is pretty normal for most of the PA movies. The demon goes, oh, shit, there's 15 minutes left in the movie. I'm going to ramp this up. <laughs> and yeah. and reaches, like, you know, throws off the weighted training belt that it was wearing yeah. and um, goes ham. And scratches I... Mika's face off in a picture, which is the most, like, you know what? Maybe the demon just really wants better for Katie. Yeah, maybe it's like that, that little short story you wrote. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the the demon is just trying to free her. Um, yeah. Which ending? Uh, remind, remind me. Uh, can you link me that uh, that thread by the way, so I can link it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a good short story that I like a lot. Oh, thank you. Um yeah. So uh, I was um, I the the scene where might where Mika breaks out the Ouija board is just like Katie walks in and sees it, it's like what the no fuck you fuck you and then like walks out and like the fucking the planchette moves around, the entire board light's on fire, and then, like, they come back, and, uh, like, I don't begrudge Katie for returning to her home. I would have spent the night at my sister's, though, personally. Yeah, well, I I love the dynamic that they set up with that, where early Mm -hmm. in the movie, because that's always the first reaction to a haunted house movie is, why don't you just fucking leave? And, er like, within a couple scenes, they have the psychic show up and say, that leaving won't help. It'll follow you everywhere, which is the perfect no, 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 reason. No, no. I'm, yeah. I'm, but yeah, no, I, no, no absolutely. I would like, still like, sleep he, in a church. Don't get me wrong. Like no, 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 not even that. Not even that. Just like I would not want to be in the same house as Mika. Well, also that, that. God. Like, like that's like, I, I wasn't even thinking about like on the demon part. Like, obviously she can't run away. But like, I would so much rather not be in the same house as Mika unless I explicitly thought that the demon was going to possess me and kill whoever was in the house I was with. In which case... I guess, yeah, I'll stay at Mika's as opposed I, to going to my sister's. I, I would legitimately not blame Katie for just coming home, tying Mika to an altar, screaming, I'm leaving you an offering, and then leaving. Like, like here, eat my boyfriend's. I'm, maybe the, we'll, we can call it square. Yeah. Um. Uh, or we, we can just go back to, like, the regular level haunting she was getting, where it just kind of, like, watches her sleep, which isn't great, but, like... It's better than like maliciousness. Yeah, absolutely. Better than burn- it's better than watching out. You might get what you're after. Burning down the house. Like, oh, God. Walk-a-walk-a. The epitome of it to me is is there's a scene where Katie is at her wit's end and she is um, doing beating with one of her friends, mm-hmm. and Mika like has the camera in their face, like, "Hey, check out this website I saw. Check out this website I saw." And Katie's like, "I need five minutes that isn't about ghosts." And Mika's like, but seriously, though you gotta look at my website. And it's just yeah. like, oh my god. Dude, and, and it's it to him, if if it were him being concerned for their lives, if it were him being like, I think I found a banishment ritual or whatever the fuck and we need to do this right away because the moons are in alignment or something, fine. But it isn't. To Mika this is all like a fucking treasure hunt. He is super mm-hmm. excited to get this and put it on YouTube and get viral or whatever the hell he's planning to do with it. Mining it for Bitcoins. Uh, I don't know about Bitcoin, so I'm just going to say that that's what it is. It's just ghost footage. Um, So, like, he just, to him, this is all just a game. He's just very excited about this cool thing that he can show off. And, And Katie is legitimately terrified because it's been chasing her entire life and she has PTSD. And Mika does not give a shit. And that's something that comes up in a lot of the PA movies, where there's one partner who, like, seriously believes this and is freaked out, and the other partner, there's there almost every single one of these movies has a fake jump scare where the partner that doesn't believe it does something scary to freak the other one out. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, cis straight people? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. I
1: they're just not.
0: don't get it. Um,. Yeah, uh, I think I think one of my favorite moments in this movie is when uh, the doctor shows up again at the very end and is like, uh, "Okay, Miss Fritz, I'm about to head out," and then just leaves. Yeah, nope, that's so good. The psychic shows up again, they, like because by the time Katie finally calls the demonologist after Mika keeps telling her not to, the demonologist is out of the fucking country, and because um, it, it's like two and a half weeks after they were supposed to call, and so they get the psychic to come back, and the psychic takes one step in the house and is like oh, it does not want me here. I need to leave. And just pieces out. And it's the best. Um, Mm -hmm. And it sets the stakes so well, I think. Because, like, you know, I I think it's cheesy going back and rewatching for, like, the 17th time, probably. but, But I will tell you, seeing the theater, seeing the psychic get freaked out, who was, like, the one source of information and exposition, like, that freaked me out so much as an audience member. Being like, oh... This was the one person who might be able to fix it. Oh, they they're doomed. They head out. <laughs> Bye. And like, yeah, and Katie just completely has a breakdown and is the first time that Mika finally puts down the fucking camera because she starts sobbing yeah. on the floor outside their bedroom. Um so I was this the movie that like re-popular this like was found footage like largely Dead as a yeah. genre before this. Like like I don't even remember like many movies com- many found footage movies coming out between this between Blair Witch and this, besides like, was Blair Witch 2 found footage or was that like Bla- shot on Blair Witch 2 was was regular movie with Frown f- with like some Found footage interspersed? Yeah. It was also yeah. terrible right. and so yeah. fucking edgy. I remember I listened to your Blair Witch episode um with Blair and and I remember you reading some of the Wikipedia summary and it's like someone has a miscarriage in the first 30 minutes and like, yeah. Oh my God. That's right. Like they bring up this brutal shit because they're like trying to up the ante. And that's the problem I think with these, with Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, and I'm sure there's others, these like low budget sleeper hit horror movies is that the sequels have to escalate and you lose Uh what made it special in that way. Like uh-huh. PA2 manages to hold on to it. Some, they keep the scares like towards the end, someone gets dragged down the stairs and it's like, it gets pretty, you know, special effectsy. But most of the scares are pretty like the pool cleaner keeps crawling out of the pool at night and that sort of stuff. Um, uh-huh. So it stays pretty low key for a lot of the movie. Um but after that, like, they start adding CGI and, like, in the marked ones, the kid gets possessed and gets, like, chronicle superpowers and stuff. Um, yeah, I think this was kind of the, re- the, the, the 2000s resurgence of found footage. Like, don't quote me because I'm not a horror movie, like, expert by any means. Um, but it, I definitely associate it with a big resurgence in found footage and, and, and Netflix one-star horror movies that all had paranormal in the title. Um, yeah, like I think this was—I think this was just like a big boon to, like, found footage movies, and also like this was like the horror movies most accurately reflect what we as a nation are most terrified of, and. This sentence Straight sounds people, really yes. funny. To, well, that too. But this sentence sounds really funny to say. But like, I don't think Paranormal Activity would I, Paranormal Activity would not have happened if nine eleven hadn't happened. Like, this entire movie is about some external force coming into your. Ha- Maybe I'm going a little bit too deep on this, but like, this entire movie is just like about an external force, like coming into your house, breaking through all of your doors and just fucking up your life and killing you. Like, yeah. I feel like home invasion as a genre really, re- really had a resurgence after nine 11. And this movie is like a pinnacle of that. Yeah. Oh, speaking, you were talking about, um, horror movie, uh, series, franchises that had, yes. that were t- the purge, by the way, because you were talking about uh, the purge invasion. was 2013, I think. Actually. Yeah. It's, it's, I, that was from the 2010s, though. Yeah, those are another one I can't watch, because, again, humans on humans. But, um, yeah. but I have read the Wikipedia summaries, so I consider myself mm-hmm. informed. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I, so, you know, the big scare happens, which is, like, there's a daytime scare. Mika's face gets clawed off in a picture frame, which is beautiful. And then Katie gets possessed. Like, Katie gets dragged out of the bed, which is the first time the ghost, like, acts ag- against them as people like mm-hmm. before that the the demon acts on objects and then there's one night where it just grabs Katie by the foot and drags her down the hallway into a guest room and slams the door shut and it oh my god like the first time i saw that it was literally the most terrifying thing i'd ever seen in my life it was horrifying and yeah. and then she gets a big like creepy bite mark on herself and then she's possessed And there's a great scene where she's been begging Mika to leave the house for days. And Mika's finally like, okay, we're leaving the house. This is fucked up. And Katie's lying in bed and goes, no, I want to stay. We'll be fine now. And then she, like, looks directly at the camera and says something like, we'll be fine now. And it's with the voice of Legion. Like, there's a second voice underneath hers saying Mm -hmm. it, too. And it is, like, seeing that in the theater was just, just amazing. Um, Yeah. I think you lose it with the home system. Like, A which which bit, is yeah. the most the most annoying like cinemaphile shit I will ever say, and I d- am not that person usually. But I was wa- when we watched this at home um, this last time. I was like, oh, you can barely hear it. The subtitles yeah. said it, but you can barely hear yeah. it. I would not have caught that if the subtitles hadn't said it. Like I knew what was ha- I knew what was going on, but like I would not have caught that specific thing if the subtitles had not said it. And then Katie gets up in the middle of the night, goes downstairs, screams. Mika runs down. You hear Mika scream and then abruptly stop screaming. And then Mika's body gets thrown in the camera. And then, so here's the question. Here's the fun question. Which ending did you get? Uh, I got the one where uh, Katie like walks up to the camera and looks at it. And then the film cuts to black. And there's like a, there, Mika's body was discovered two days later. And she was possessed. She like makes a possessed face. Yeah. Okay. So that is the cinematic ending. That is the, Mm -hmm. the ending that Paramount reshot when Paramount bought the movie and aired it in 2009, I think is when it came out for wide release. Um, The original ending, uh, so there are two other endings, both of which involve Katie being dead as well. Uh, And obviously that does not make for good sequels, which this Paramount reshot it. Um, So one ending, I think was another Paramount reshoot actually, but it was not one that they used anywhere where Katie, like you hear Mika stop screaming, Katie comes upstairs covered in blood with a knife you, and she shuts the bedroom door Looks straight at the camera Cuts her throat And that's the end of the movie um, The original ending that was used In like Sundance and stuff When it first debuted in 2007 I think is actually I think the most interesting ending to me Which is Katie comes back upstairs Covered in blood, knife She stands around and just does The creepy standing thing that she does For like a day and a half um, And the camera just speeds through all of it And Mm -hmm. the camera slows down for you to hear an answer machine message from her friend, Andrea, uh, that showed up a couple times, calling to check on her. And then eventually the police show up and... Oh, Andrea comes over. Sorry, not a machine message. Andrea comes over. Oh, you mean Amber? Amber? Is it Amber? Okay. I I had to watch six of these fucking things. I don't know. Um, That's fair. That's very fair. Amber comes over to see Katie, finds Mika's body, screams and leaves. And it's just all... We only hear this from upstairs. And then later the police come... Katie snaps out of it and is standing in the doorway with a knife when the police come up and is trying to like talk the police down while the police are trying to get her to drop the knife, but she's too confused. And then the demon slams the guest room door, which makes the cops start firing mm. and and That's they rough. shoot her. And it's to me, that is like the most like perverse way to end it. So I kind of love it because it, it's like the demon didn't want to kill her directly but instead just engineered this like jigsaw shit to make it happen. Yeah. Um, so I kind of love that ending, but Katie shows up like eight times in the sequels. So they needed her around as, yeah. as the plot MacGuffin. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was really interesting this last time we watched it. Cause I was watching with a friend who'd never <laughs> seen it. And we had a freaky experience where we got the cutting her own throat ending but the subtitles from the other ending from the cinematic ending. and so it, the subtitles would say like muffled screaming and stuff when it was dead <laughs> silent. And that was actually it. the freakiest part of watching it this last time because it was uh-huh. very surreal. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty fucking good. But it's it's a fantastic movie. I think these movies that le- these horror movies like Blair Witch and this that leave room for improvisation have such more natural speaking styles to them and okay, can have it's, such... A, it's mumblecore. Yeah, can have such beautiful moments to them. Like, uh, not to get too Blair Witchy, but, like, the moment when um, Josh is taunting Heather with the camera uh, in Blair Witch when she's crying, and he's like, it's not so great being on camera. How's it feel? Like, like, that moment and how it gets played is so, like, perfect and establishes so much character stuff in the midst of all the horror. And I think you get moments like that with this, too, where... Mm-hmm. Where Katie, like, Katie is just a woman on who is down to her last straw and is dating the fucking worst dude. And you get to watch the relationship just utterly disintegrate in three weeks. So it's kind of a relationship drama in, ad, in addition to horror movie. And I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. On a scale of, so uh, are we ready to do rankings? Yeah, Ratings? totes. On a scale of zero to five. Five, uh, uh, here we go. On a scale of zero to five CoinNet t shirts. How many CoinNet t shirts are you giving this movie? Um, so I am giving it probably a five. I, you have to understand that this is like this movie is 100% my shit. It is horror that is 90% doors moving and people not getting stabbed and is found footage, um, which are both like big things for me. So for me, it's yeah. basically perfect i think it's a bit of a i think it's a kind of a hard movie to go back to yes um i i think that it's like it's kind of in the same i i I think that it's kind of in the same way that like i have a hard time going back to like this is a weird comparison but i have a hard time watching the angry video game nerd because i grew up watching so many of his like the people who were trying to ape him like the nostalgia critic at all yes that like going back to the original the one who like Invented the one who like and I look at that and I'm like oh this is just so rote because everyone copied from him Hulk Cloth. I saw the original last yeah I still think this I still think this is like a 4.5 this is still a really good movie I just don't think I can appreciate it as much as someone who saw it like when it was in the theatrical release yeah it defined a bunch of the cliches and and it's also hard for me to rate it because again I made garbage decisions with my life and have watched all six and it is one of those series where watching the later ones actually almost ruins the <laughs> the earlier ones a bit. Um, yeah. Because, like, not only did they directly fuck up the canon, but also they, they exhaust you. Like, every single one of them, except the Mark ones, does the nighttime, like, this is night number 17 stuff, which was awesome when PA1 did it. By the time the sixth movie in the series does it, it's just like, okay, I get it. Like I get it, the the demon doesn't like the daytime. I understand. Yeah, we get the memo. And you named the demon Toby, and I can't. And then and then someone Toby. and then in marked ones, someone is blasting witches with a shotgun. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot. There's a creepy ch- in four. Oh my god, it's just so much. It's all so much. And the the thing about PA one, I think, that I'll come back to is that it is an unknowable horror. Like. The, the scariest thing is the thing that you can't appease. You don't know what it wants and there's no way to stop it. And later ones give Toby uh, like a motivation. Toby has, Toby is like the Cylons and BSG. He has a plan. Um, and much like the Cylons and BSG, the writers didn't actually know what that plan was. Uh, and so it's a lot of flailing around. Eventually the plan in six spoiler alerts is that Toby just wanted a human body I know, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for the reaction there. Yeah, the witches, literally all they want to do is make him this Voldemort-looking motherfucker. And it's like, dude, you can do everything already. Like, why do you want IBS did and lactose intolerance like the rest of Did he not have a human body at the of end us? of this movie? Like, did he not have a human body at the end of this movie? Because it seemed to me like he had a human body at the end of this movie. Well, that's also true. He's, like, he's inhabiting Katie, who's fucking rad. They're BFFs. Like, just, like, later he pretends... To be a realtor as her. I don't understand why he needs more. But he does. Also, the witches needs- are raising a body, uh, an army of 18-year-old boys for no apparent reason. Uh, I... The fifth okay. and sixth movies both do separate numerology. This makes the number of the beast things. And it's great. Like marked one's the laziest one ever where it's like oh you get possessed when you're 18 because that's 6 plus 6 plus 6. I'm like I'm pretty sure Satan doesn't give a shit about that. Maybe Satan just yeah. wanted to be able to vote. Um, Maybe. And then the sixth, the sixth one has like these two children were born on June 6th 20, no, 2005 and then they retcon that to be like oh well 2005 is the sixth year of the millennium. And I'm like, mm, is it though? I, I mean, it is. It's not. The millennium starts in 2001. Does 2000 not count as the millennium? I don't think so. I guess not. Yeah, you don't count. Well, I guess it depends on if you count. Like, I don't know. Is 2020 a new decade for you or is that just rounding out this one? Uh I, no, I feel like Millennium's... I, so, I'm aging myself. I graduated high school in 2001 and was like, I'm the uh-huh. first class of the new Millennium. Uh, so, like, that is the reason that I feel strongly about it because high school me was very attached to that. Um, ah, I see. But but that could be nonsense. I don't know. But either way, like, just, it. what it is is they didn't plan these things out and then wanted to retcon scary shit. And it's amazing and that's why time travel comes in because toby just didn't didn't just want a human body no he wanted his human body from to be back in 1992 so they had to transport the children they were stealing back in time do you want by the way i of curiosity, would you like to know what uh what grade what what year of school i was finishing in 2001 oh god you can tell me and i'm gonna just hang up but yeah uh first grade (laughs) oh my god sarah yeah you tiny baby you're not old enough to watch horror movies yet honey I'm just. I'm not coping well with the fact that that I am. I am now in, like approaching middle age at a rapid pace.
1: It happens to the best of us. It
0: does. It. I, well, I am the best of us, so clearly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I. I love the first Paranormal Activity, and like the first two were so good that they have earned my loyalty through the complete shit show that the rest of the series has become. But also, it's kind of an entertaining uh, yeah. train wreck. Honestly, did so? You'd never watched PA two. No. I would I would honestly recommend that one. Um, like the the other ones, like, no. Not unless you want to like get drunk and live tweet them or something, but, but generally speaking, no. But two is like add some mythos, still manages to be like vaguely threatening. Like there's definitely a the demon has a goal in it, but it's not it's it's a it's a generic enough demon goal that you're like, okay, I can buy that. And it has mm. one of my like the daytime shift in one, the shift to scares in Daytime in one is scary because it's daytime. In, in two, the the shift to Daytime scares is possibly my favorite scare out of the entire series. It is uh-huh. so, like, it's a combination of so benign and so brutal at the same time that it, like, I nearly screamed myself hoarse when it happened. It is such a sudden and intense jump scare. Um, nice. Yeah, so I I enjoy too. The family in two is still kind of garbage. Like the husband is is not quite Mika level terrible, but like is still pretty terrible. Um, yeah. But they have a teen daughter who's like legitimately. I think she's cool, and wishy was like, oh, you saw her? She's in the marked ones. Yeah, it's been a while though. Um, she she's the exposition girl who shows up and explains that 18 is 6 plus 6 plus 6, and that the witches are making an army. Um, She is the only survivor of PA-2. Uh, She was, like, 13 when PA-2 happened, and they brought her back for a cameo in PA-5, which is such a waste. Like, I want her to be, like, a supernatural demon hunter instead, but, you know. Uh Uh-huh. But but PA-2 is, like, legit fantastic, and they also have... I mean, Absurdly Large Houses is every movie except the Mark ones, where... Which is still like a fairly large apartment, I think, for the like little neighborhood they were in. But Yeah. But six, if you wanna see an absurdly l- large house, you can watch six, which is I'm really excited i I'm really excited for Paranormal Activity Seven McMansion. Oh my god. No, six is a McMansion. It's ridiculous. It's one of those ones where the second story is a balcony that goes around the first story. So the first story, like, take is two stories tall. And Cri- what? Yeah. Why? And, Why would you do that to a house? And their Christmas tree reaches up to the second story balcony. Um, oh, Why it, would you do that to a house? Also, Paranormal Activity, the Ghost Dimension is a Christmas movie. So, move the fuck over, Die Hard in Love, actually. Um, okay. This is our new Christmas watch. Oh, my God. Okay. Do you want to get into recommendations? Um, yeah, go for Go for recommendations. Uh. What the fuck am I gonna recommend? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna be fully on my bullshit this week, and I'm gonna recommend the anime that I've been watching lately, which is Death Note. Oh god, think, Death Note, yes. I think original, I, I genuinely think that. I, I'm rewatching the first season, and then I'm gonna watch the second season, because I never watched that before, but I genuinely love the first season of Death Note, and I. Like, it holds up. Like, it's still. it It is very much like mid 2000s uber dark edginess, but also like. I just fucking like Light and L's dynamic is so fucking twentieth-dimensional chess, and it fucking rips ass every time. I love it so much, and the intro music is great. I love everything about. I genuinely do love everything about that show. Have you watched the live-action movie? I've not yet. That is that that is a stay tuned for this podcast. Oh God, that's great. I've heard I've heard like some surprisingly decent things. Really, I have only heard people dunking on it. Um, so I'm curious to hear how that goes for you. I don't, like, I know of Death Note, and I, and I had someone, like, very methodically explain the potato chip scene to me. And that's about it. Okay, people clown on the potato chip scene, and people also clown on that scene where Light is, like, dramatically writing, and there's, like, all those fucking camera angles. But you know what? You fuckers loved it when Hot Fuzz did that same joke. (laughs) Fucking respect it. Um, so... We don't have to recommend horror things, right? Because I don't watch horror much at all. Except, no, oh, not okay. at all. Uh, then my recommendation will be Celeste, which is, I think, is a video game and is one of like the two video games that I feel like has actually changed me as a pe- person some. And they just had uh, the free Chapter 9 DLC come out today, I think, um, which is basically yes. what I'm trying to do with my week. Uh, and it is just a legitimately beautiful game. It's intensely difficult, but kind of, like, really kind of tries to tell you that it believes in you during all the uh-huh. difficulty. And also has an, an incredible, like, menu full of options like invincibility and slowing the game down by 50% and stuff to try and to make it accessible a... to people. And an asterisk that I used to have about that game was the message that that popped up when you went to that menu that kind of, like, condescended to you a little bit. Um, in releasing, in this, with this patch that released chapter nine, it, the, uh, the, the, the Celeste team worked with, like, some people, like, including, like, half-coordinated the, the mm-hmm. one-handed speedrunner to, like, fine-tune that message to be as, like, to get across the message of what, uh, Matt Makes Games Inc. was trying to say with it without being condescending about it. Yeah, and I know that they've made other changes, too. Like, it used to be if you, like, beat a level using with an assistant thing on the, the symbol would look slightly different. So it's kind of like an achievement, like with an asterisk type thing. And they took that out cause they were like, well, we don't want people to feel lesser for beating the level, however they need to beat it. Like I get the point of the message of having a message there because the point mm-hmm. of Celeste is that it is really difficult and that it is about overcoming adversity and, and pushing your, it, it's about getting attached to the struggle rather than to the goal. But at uh-huh. the same time, that only works as long as you can actually get better at the game. And for some people, like, there's a certain difficulty level past which it's just a brick wall. Yep. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. It's a fantastic game. It and Undertale have, like, are the two that I feel like changed me as a person slightly. So. Yeah. It's a good video game. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. I, I, I uh, My Switch got stolen, I but my friends got me a new one for my birthday. Um, but Celeste does not have cloud save, so I have, oh. to, well... Have to big air quotes uh, yeah. uh, go through all the A, B, and C sides again. Uh, yeah, I saw you. I'm still I'm still on the last screen of the chapter eight C side, so I'm still. not it's, quite... have you have, have you I I I posted a tweet of it when I beat that back like because uh, back when I broke my foot last year, I had a lot of time to just devote to that game because I wasn't doing fucking anything else, um, and I. I posted a video of me beating that screen, and it was literally too long for the video to capture from start to finish. That's, yeah, that's uh, there's a couple of the Seaside screens that have been that way for me with the 30-second Switch capturing. Um, it's the, the Chapter 7 Seaside as well. Uh, I yeah. I love this game so much, and like I have never worked this hard at a video game in my life. Like Most video games, if I fail in the same spot three times, I'm like, fuck this game. I've got better things to do. And yep. I have... On a single screen of this game, sat for like three different days, an hour apiece, mm-hmm. grinding it until I got it perfect. And yep. I enjoyed it. And it's, yeah, it's weird. Um, so, yeah, also Matt Thornton came out as non-binary during Pride Month, which... Uh, Is fantastic and Lena Lena Rain is a trans woman who did the music, so it's like it is a it is an intensely trans and queer feeling game to me, and it is extremely. Yep, I feel very validated by all of that. So it's it's. It turns out it's good. It's so good. Also I think I yeah. think Celeste might be the most recommended media that has been on this podcast cuz I definitely recommended it when it came out at least once if not multiple times and you are not the first guest to recommend it. So it's I just think it's great that that's So it. fucking good. Like it like my 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 list of 10 out of 10 video games is pretty short. Um and there's some questionable ones. Like I love the Mass Effect series even for all its flaws. But mm-hmm. but like it Celeste is no question. Like it and Undertale are tied for one and two, and that's just it. Okay, uh well that's gonna wrap up the podcast. Yeah. Uh, except for we have to do the cleanup stuff. So I'm gonna open up the Patreon. Uh but in the meantime, um Blue, where can people find you online? Um you can find me probably mostly on Twitter at at Azure A Z-U-R-E underscore husky. Um or on Mastodon at Azure Husky with no underscore in it at Yif dot life because I keep it classy. <laughs> oh you gotta keep it classy. Yif dot life versus snouts.online. They're both the, really the good. Yeah they are. They're both really good. Also I have a partner who um, runs Beach.city, which is a great Steven Universe shout out, so. That's pretty good, yeah. yeah. Um uh yeah uh you can find me uh well thank you very much for listening to fear Baiting. you can find us uh fear baiting everywhere that's twitter tumblr gmail and patreon and if you'd like to support the podcast patreon.com slash fear is where you're gonna go uh one dollar a month gets you early access to the episodes and uh any bonus content we do there has been some talks about some bonus content for wonder yorks maybe that's still very much in beta but we're I, but we're we're i guess alpha really but we're you know there's there's irons in the fire um for $5 a month, you get your name right the podcast, and you can read it, make us read a short message if you're choosing. Uh, 10 bucks a month lets you pick, make us pick a movie. Uh, so thank you very much to Michael Kaiser, Paul Moran, Kit Spindler, Paul Bechtel, and Ducky Aisha for your continued support of this wonderful podcast. I'm going to request that one of the $10 Patreons makes you watch Killer Sofa, because I really need to know. <laughs> you really need to know what's going on I with I really need Sofa? to know. <laughs> All right. Uh, You can find me on uh, Twitter at SunhatGenia. That's S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A. And uh, listen to my other podcasts, The Wonder Years, which I do with editor of this podcast, Blair, and uh, musician responsible for our intro-outro tracks, Seda. Uh, We talk about Animorphs. And then there's also Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, the (laughs) leftism podcast made by, for, and of the Terminally Online. Um, God, that fucking name gets me every time. It's a good name. I'm... (laughs) I really like it. I don't remember who said it originally, who of the hosts said it originally, but someone said it, and it's very funny and good. It's, ex- uh, you as it's al- extremely like 2018, 2019 level of humor. Yeah. That's where we're at yes. as a society. mm mm-hmm. uh, The thing is that we're ahead of our time, because we came up with that name in like mid-2017 okay but anyways yeah i uh, uh, oh yeah and also thank you very much i i mentioned it already but uh seda uh, uh musician uh intro outro music thank you very much uh you can check out their stuff at uh, uh they make it under people you meet outside of bars uh you uh, which can be found at gay goth vibes dot online which is just the best url in the world uh say put out uh a, a tr- well not like an, a, a track that they'd made a couple months prior, but it's a drone track that's, like, 18 minutes long, and it fucking rips. Uh, for a second, I thought you said they laid... it was a... Tra- they they sent out a trap? Like, and I was no. like, oh, no, like, Kevin from Home Alone again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sent, out, they sent out a drone trap. They, they like, had, like, a fucking four... Uh, a four-propeller drone just, like, dangling a carrot in front of me as I walked off a cliff. Oh, my God, don't... don't get me started, because I watched Venom, where there's exploding military drones that just ram into things. It's terrible. <laughs> anyways uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fear Baby uh, we're back baby oh yeah Schlocktober is ramping up uh, keep up uh, well we're ramping up to Schlocktober that's coming in a couple of weeks uh, we will be doing live streams of the movie on mostly I believe Friday nights we might have to do a Saturday night or two but I think it should be Friday nights that we do the pod that we do the, uh, the movies and uh, fucking get excited we're about to watch some fucking garbage yeah uh, and yeah, uh, but until next time, I'm Sarah. I'm Blue. And remember, I don't remember what the thing is. <laughs> you can put a fucked up guy anywhere. That's right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> just, just say it. Well, you I'm can put a fucked missing. up guy anywhere, Blair. Just make You're it right, sound everyone. like I said at the same time. <laughs>